I am so excited to be able to continue with the series uh, that we kicked off several weeks ago as we are in this series, Living in Babylon, as we are studying through the book of Daniel. And uh, we've been talking about this, the fact that we are all wrestling with certain things. We wrestle with the, the tension of living here in this world, right? And at the t same time, we're in a place that oftentimes doesn't like the way we think or the values that we have. And this is the tension that we wrestle. It's this, how do we live for God's kingdom when we reside in this kingdom, right? How do we do that? It's not always easy. It's not always clean, right? It's not always black and white. It's, it's a challenge. It's a tension that we wrestle. Last week, if you were here last week, we dealt with this idea of when we live in Babylon, we are in a battle, okay? We are in a spiritual battle. And, and understanding that, recognizing that, should impact the way we pray. Because we should pray as those who understand that we are in desperate need of God. Amen? Right? That's what we need. Next Sunday, like Hunter said, do not miss next Sunday. I got a message for the men. Every man needs to hear this. It's going to encourage the ladies as well. But trust me, ladies, you want to get your husbands here. You want to get the men in your life here next week. But today, we're going to dig into one more concept here with this series. If you got your Bible, turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. Daniel chapter 2, beginning in verse number 20. Would you stand with me as we read our primary text? If you're a guest here, just know this. There's nothing sacred about standing. It's just what we do around here to say, man, God, we, we value your word above my words, all right? Here's what it says. Praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons. He deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what lies in darkness, and light dwells with him. I thank and praise you, God of my ancestors. You have given me wisdom and power. You have made known to me what we have asked of you. You have made known to us the dream of the king. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be together this morning. And Lord, I pray we wouldn't just go through the motions today, but instead I pray we would listen to you. We would hear from you, God. We walk out of this place different. So God, we open our ears, we open our eyes, we open our hearts. God, have your way, we pray. In the name of Jesus, everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. All right, so it was just over 18 years ago that Amber and I first began dating, which is crazy to think it was that long ago. All right, and so we had been dating for two weeks at the time dating for two weeks, and I was a poor college student, so I couldn't afford to take her to a movie, so we said, hey, I'm going to rent a movie, you're going to come over to my apartment, we're going to watch a movie, okay? And so I'm not supporting the movie, I'm not saying you should go watch this movie in any way, but at that time, there was a movie that everybody was talking about. It was a movie called The Ring. How many ever heard of the movie The Ring, okay? The movie The Ring, all right? And so I was, I'm like, all right, I'm going to rent this movie. Everybody's talking about whatever, but in five minutes into the movie, I realized this is a scary movie, okay? And <laughs> And I don't like scary movies. Anybody the same as me? You don't like scary movies? Okay. I don't like scary movies. I have enough stress in my life as it is. Like, I don't need to watch a movie to stress out more, to get all nervous and all those kind of things. Okay? So, so we have five minutes in the meal. I'm like, oh, no, it's one of those movies. But I'm like, suck it up, Greg. You got a man up here. Okay? So we get about 10 minutes in the movie, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, oh. I don't want to watch this movie. I'm getting nervous. I'm getting scared. I'm all like jittery inside. I don't want to do this. But I'm like, no, no, you can do this, Greg. You can do this. We get about 15 minutes, and I'm sitting there thinking to my house, I don't want to be in a relationship where I have to fake things like this, you know? I feel like I should be honest. And so I turned to Amber. Again, we'd only been dating two weeks. She didn't know me all that well. And I'm like, hey, um, 
I'm going to hate the next two hours if we watch the rest of the movie. Would you mind if we turn something else on? I'm getting a little scared here. And I remember her face. She's just like, okay. <laughs> she was at the, I'm sure she thought I was pathetic. I can't believe you're so weak. All those kind of things. That's fine. We turned on a romantic comedy. It was awesome. The night was great. Okay. But here's what I know. If, if you're like me, I, I don't like that. Why? Because movies like that have all this unknown right? There's all that, you don't know what's going to happen, and they're trying to scare you, and all this kind of stuff. And unknown produces certain feelings in us, doesn't it? It produces fear. It produces worry. It produces anxiety. It, it can just produce tension in our hearts. It produces stress and a general feeling of ick, okay? But it isn't just in the movies. This is what happens in our lives. When we encounter unknown, it produces this in us. And I believe as we look at this passage today, I think God's going to speak to our hearts about something. He's going to reveal something that every one of us needs to get a hold of, okay? So have your hearts open this morning. So we're going to dig into this story. If you weren't with us last week, last week we looked at the first half of chapter 2. Today we're going to look at the second half, but I've got to give you the context so you know what we're talking about here in chapter 2, all right? So here's a, you know, Cliff Notes version. we got four guys. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Who are these guys? These are followers of God, worshipers of God, who have been exiled from their nation into the nation of Babylon. They've been taken into service of the king. They are now these, these wise men surrounding the king. They're supposed to serve this king of Babylon in a foreign nation, foreign gods, all these different philosophies that they don't agree. They're trying to be faithful to God, living in Babylon while serving God, all right? And this king, King Nebuchadnezzar, you can research him. He's, a, he's a, back in history. This is who he was, the king of Babylon at this time, one of the greatest kings ever in the nation of Babylon. And he has this dream, this vision, and he knows this is something special. Somebody is trying to tell me something. And so he goes to all of his wise men, his sorcerers, his astrologers that are part of his kingdom. And he goes to him, he's like, listen, I've had this dream. You need to tell me what the dream is. And you were, if you were here last week, you know what he said. He said, you got to tell me. But here's the deal. I, don't, I think you guys are going to lie to me. You're just going to make stuff up. So you have to tell me the dream I had, and then you have to interpret it. And they're all like, what? No. There's no way we're going to do that. No, tell us the dream, and then we'll interpret it. He's like, no, no, you tell me my dream, and then you interpret it. And he says, and if you don't, I'm going to have you all killed because obviously you don't know what you're doing. And Daniel, being one of the men in this group, he hears of what's going on. He goes to the king. He says, listen, just give me a little time and I will interpret your dream. And so what does he do? He goes back to his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and he tells them, listen, boys, we got to pray, okay? We are going to pray and ask God to speak to us. And it says in the story that God gives him a vision of the exact dream that the king had. He tells him exactly what it is, and he gives him the interpretation of this dream so he understands what it is. And this prayer that we just read, beginning in verse number 20, is the prayer that he prayed to God after he's received this revelation. He's praising God and just thanking him that you've given me this wisdom. Thank you for giving me this. And so he approaches the king, comes to the king in the rest of this chapter. And the king says, are you able to tell me what this thing is? He's like, yes. Here's what he says in verse number 27, if you're following along. Daniel replies to the king. He says, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he has asked about. Stop there for a second. I, I love this. He goes to the king. Listen, this is the most powerful man on earth at the time. He says, listen, king, all your people... Eh, they ain't enough. All the stuff that you got, all the stuff that you think you've depended on, you've relied on, that's been your source, it's not enough. You don't have what you need. 
And this is a very bold statement to make to a king. Like, you are not strong enough. Your men are not strong enough. They don't have what you need. And he goes on here, and what does he say in verse 28? He says this, but there is a God in heaven. Amen? There is a God in heaven. You don't have enough, but there's a God in heaven. If you will get your eyes there, he will reveal to you the mysteries of what's going on. And I want to pause here for a second because this is a, this is a sermon we need to hear as followers of Christ. Because so often, what are we doing? We're down here with everybody else, thinking like everybody else, all the philosophies of the world, trying to figure stuff out, whatever. And sometimes it's like we need to get tapped on the shoulder and say, hey, 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 there is a God in heaven. You need to get your eyes off of your circumstance. You need to get your eyes off of the temporary, off the philosophies of the world, of the worries of this world. And instead, get your eyes on your God. There is a God in heaven. So he continues. Daniel goes to the king and he begins to tell him, this. He starts by giving him the dream. He's like, all right, king, you asked me to tell you. Here's the dream that you had. He explains it. He says, king, here's what you saw. You saw a statue, huge statue. And the, the head of the statue was gold. And, and the arms and the chest of the statue were silver. And the belly and the thighs of the statue were bronze. And the legs were iron. And the feet were iron mixed with a little bit of clay. He said, that's what you saw. <clears throat> and then you saw a rock being cut out, a little stone being cut out of the rock, not by human hands, this little stone was cut out, and it smashed the feet of this statue, and the entire statue came crumbling down, that's what you saw, and then that little, that little stone that you saw cut out, what happened, it began to grow into a mountain that ultimately filled the entire earth, that's the dream that you saw, King, and we get to verse uh, number 36, if you're following along, and here's what he says, this was the dream, and now we will interpret it to the king. And this is what he says in verse 37. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. He starts by buttering him up, okay? You are the king of kings. But look what he says next. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. See what he just did right there? He said, you are the king of kings. But there is one more powerful than you, right? They used to think they were the gods. They're the powerful one. No, 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 no. You need to understand something, king. Everything you have was received. It wasn't created by you. Everything you have was given to you by God. There is another kingdom. There is another authority out there. You are not all you think you were, king, right? That's what he's telling him. So he goes on and begins to share, all right, here's the interpretation of that dream. He says, King, you are the gold head. You and the Babylonian, you are the gold head. But there will be other kingdoms that come, other empires that come after you. See, there will be a second one. Then there will be a, a third one. That's the bronze. We've got the silver and the bronze. And then finally, we've got this fourth kingdom, this fourth empire that will come up. And this is the, the iron empire. And they will be strong, right? And they will be mixed with clay. He explains that a little bit. But then he gets to verse number 44. Remember how there was a, that was the statue, but then there was a little bit more. He says, in the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands. All right. So what's going on here? See, this dream is cool. He says, all right, you're, you're the golden head. That's cool. But if you like history, look at me for a second. 
I'm going to give you just a three-minute history. If you don't like history, tune out, and then I'll call you back in a second, okay? But I think in the fullness of time, we're here 2,500 years later. We get to see what this vision was really about. Because when you look at the history, uh, this is my best understanding of this interpretation. We have the first nation. Who is that? Babylon, right? Who was the next powerhouse after Babylon? Persia. Who was after Persia? The Greeks. Who was after the Greeks? The Romans. During the reign of the Romans, who was born not of human hands, but of God, who was one who is a kingdom that was established, came proclaiming the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here, and his kingdom is a king that shall never end. It reigns forever and ever and ever. We look at this passage. It's pointing us right to Jesus. This is what this is about. Ultimately, there is a king of all kings. King, you think you're so important. You think you're so powerful, but you got to back up a second and recognize there is another above you. That's what this is about. And when you see the response of King Nebuchadnezzar, you understand that in this moment, just for a moment, he gets it. Because look what it says in verse number 47. It says, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings. He understands this. I want to pause here. And this is a great, it's fun. You can dig into this even more, this, this dream even more. But I want to back up to the prayer that we read at the beginning. Because I think in that prayer, in this statement, we see what it is God's trying to communicate to us and how we can apply this passage to ourselves, all right? So look at what the, what the prayer said at beginning in verse number 20. What did it say? It said, praise be to the name of God forever and ever. Eternal. Wisdom and power are his. He changes times and seasons he deposes kings and raises up others. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning. What do we see in this prayer? We see Daniel elevating up to a 30,000-foot view of faith. Like a lot of us, we're living out our faith down here at this level. Remember, we're down here. We're just dealing with the daily stuff, right? We're dealing with the challenges we got going, all this kind of stuff. He is stepping up for a second and looking at all and saying, listen, there is a God over all. There is a God who raises up kings and lowers them. We're out here freaking. This past year, we're freaking out. Who's going to be in charge? What's going to happen? Listen, we can be concerned because that impacts our here and now, but we can be confident that there is a God who is over all things that we can place our trust in. Amen? That's what he has called us, to fix our eyes on him, to look to him. That's where our hope is at. And so I want to give us to our, take us to our big so what. We always say this, so what? If you were kind of got tuned out there for a second, wake yourself up. You're with me now, okay? The big so what this morning is this. Our confidence in the known gives peace in the unknown. Our confidence in the known gives peace in the unknown. We know this in our world. Full of unknown. Right? Full of unknown. When you live in Babylon, there's always going to be unknown. Things you don't understand. Things you don't get. Things you don't make sense of. Right? That's just how it is. Take your personal lives. You got stuff going on right now. I know some of you. You're struggling. You're like, I don't know what I'm doing for my career. I don't know about this job. I don't know if I'm going to have a job next week. I don't know what's going on. It's been a challenge. For some of you in school, you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. There's all these questions I've got about school. I'm struggling, these issues. Your finances, I don't know what's happened. I'm, I'm struggling. I don't have enough money. I, you know, I don't know how to deal with this. I'm struggling, whatever it is. Some of you came in, and I know this. We got a number of people in our congregation that are dealing with health issues, serious health challenges. And you're like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to do, right? 
And then you take this past year. How many know this was a year of unknowns? <laughs> we had a lot of unknowns this past year. You look at it on a global scale. You look on a national scale. There's so much unknown. And what does, what does that produce in us? The, 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 the issues of unrest in our nation. What is it? All the issues that we've had, the challenges that we've had, the pandemic that we've dealt with, the financial challenges. What does that produce inside of us? Produces fear, worry, anxiety, stress, burden. It feels heavy, and some of you know what that's like. Some of you have gone in and out of seasons this past year where you just didn't know how you were going to get to the next day. I get it. The challenge that we have is that we're followers of Christ. So we have these feelings, but at the same time, we know something. That Scripture tells us what? Don't fear. Don't worry. Don't be anxious about anything. And so we live in this tension like, okay, I have all this unknown. I have all these fears, all this kind of stuff. But at the same time, I'm not supposed to. Like, how am I supposed to live? What am I supposed to do with all of this? Okay? I think we have to remember the known. What do we know? We know that we serve the God of gods and the Lord of kings. We serve the one who is above all. No matter what else happens, no matter what we face, no matter what we endure, we know who our God is. The known, that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He is a foundation that is firm, a rock that we can plant on. When the rest of the world is unknown, when there's other circumstances that we don't know how to deal with, we can plant ourselves there, firmly trusting in him. Sometimes we look crazy, stupid, and foolish, but that's the joy that we have as followers of Christ, is that we know what we know. We have confidence in the known. Who is our God? He is a God of holiness. He is a God of righteousness. He is a God of truth. He is a God of mercy. He is love. He isn't just a God who sometimes acts faithfully. He is faithful. That's who he is. And the more we place our confidence and trust in the known, it gives us peace in the unknown. The more we look here rather than always focusing here is when we can have hope and we can have peace. This is what God is calling us to. Okay? It's, it's just like a, a Bond movie. I've never seen a James Bond movie before. Have you ever seen a James Bond movie? Okay. Okay. Uh, I haven't seen one in years, but if you've seen one James Bond movie, you've seen all the James Bond movies. Okay. Let me give you the storyline. James Bond will show up. Okay. Bunch of crazy stuff is going to go down. And then James is going to win, and James is going to get the girl. Okay. It's every movie. James is going to win. James is going to get the girl. And so when you're watching a James Bond movie, if you start freaking out, you just got to calm yourself down like, man, we know how this thing's going to end, okay? James is going to win. James is going to get the girl, okay? See, this is how we need to operate as followers of Christ. Listen, some crazy stuff's going to go down in your lives. just is. I've had some crazy stuff go down in my life. I'm sure some of you, I could pass the mic around. And you got stuff happening right now. You're enduring things right now. You don't know what to do with it. And I'm sorry. I am. I don't want that for you. But here's what we know as followers of Christ, is we know how the story ends. You know where our story ends. This is not our, this is not our world. This is not our home. We're a part of his kingdom. And if we can get our eyes to him and say, God, my trust and my hope is in you. I'm going to spend less time down here. Let me get my eyes on you and to remember who you are as, as I place my confidence in the known God, I know that I can have peace. 
in the unknown, no matter what I face. This is what God wants to do in our hearts. But I actually want to, I want to take us to our challenge here because I think that um, sometimes you hear this message and you're like, okay, what do I do with it? What do I do with it? Here's a challenge this morning. It's to shape your worries into prayers. It's a passage of scripture in Philippians chapter 4 that talks about this. If you want to turn, look at this. 4 verse 6 says this, don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. Question isn't, are you going to have worries and fears and anxieties? Those moments come. The question is, what are you going to do with them? And I think for a lot of us, what do we do? We coddle our worries. We got our, like, our little worries. Just, we just pet our worries. So my nice little worries. And we, we focus on them. We give them our attention. This just becomes the center of our world. We just look at my nice worries. All right? I'm not saying you're not going to have moments like that. The question is, what do you do with it? Instead of coddling your worries, shape your worry into prayer. What does that do? It takes that worry out of here, and it puts it there, right? And suddenly, you're putting it to the, into the hands of a God who actually can do something about it, number one. But number two, you are reminding yourself of where your hope is. You're reminding yourself of whose kingdom you're a part of, so that although you are enduring the same thing everybody else is, you don't have to respond the way everybody else does, right? That's the call of a follower of Christ. We don't do things like everybody else does. We don't follow the craziness around here. No, we can stand confidently in who our God is. We know some stuff, and we stand firmly on the stuff we know so that even when we don't know, we still have a firm place to stand, okay? That's the call of a follower of Christ, all right? So what does that mean for you? I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you're dealing with, but a very specific challenge. Take that thing. Because it's going to come up this afternoon, as soon as you walk out the door here, tonight when you're lying in bed, you're going to have a choice. Am I going to coddle my little worries, or am I going to shape my worry into prayer? Say, God, you're my hope. Okay? I've been, you know, in ministry for a long time now, and I've been in the church my whole life. And so I've heard a lot of... Um, I've, I've heard a lot of missionaries talk. I've met a lot of missionaries and heard stories around the world. And I remember a story, uh, this was probably 20 years ago that I heard it. I cannot remember who it was that shared this with me, but uh, I, I've never forgotten the story that they shared. And uh, they were talking about working in an area of the world where uh, it was dangerous for your very life to follow Christ. I don't know if you're aware of this. Some of you are following Christ and maybe you're new to faith. You need to understand that there are, right now today there are people that are literally giving their very lives to follow Christ. Following Christ is, is detrimental to their health, <laughs> okay? Uh, they say that on the low end, at least about eight to 9,000 people are martyred every year for their faith in Christ. More like, uh, more like 100,000 that is more likely that's actually giving their lives for following Christ. There's no uh, other faith that is martyred more than those of the Christian faith. And so they were telling me a story about they were in an area like this and there was a group of believers that had been taken and they were trying to kill all the Christians in that area. And uh, so they brought them in. They said, okay, you can deny your faith. And they said, we can't do that. I said, okay. So what did they do? They took these people and they lined them up on the ground, laid them down head to foot in a long line. And they got a bulldozer and they started just driving it across them to kill them. 
I don't tell you this to, to sensationalize something. I tell you this to understand what, what took place. Because in that moment, uh, rather than screaming, rather than crying, rather than, uh, you know, weeping, rather than shouting, no, what, it, what was the sound that was heard? Is those believers were singing praises to God as one by one they were being killed. And you ask yourself, how? How is that possible? It seems crazy to me. There's another verse that comes right after this one. It says this, when we shape our worries into prayer, it says the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. And the literal word to guard is the word to garrison. Do you know what it means to garrison something? It means you've got a castle, you've got a room, you've got something that you want to protect. You set up a garrison of soldiers around this thing to basically fight and defend this thing you're protecting. And here's what we have happen in Scripture, is that when we place our confidence in God, when we trust in Him, when we shape our worries into prayers, it isn't that we muster up a peace. No, God actually sends a garrison around our hearts to protect and to guard us and to give us a peace that transcends all understanding, a peace that doesn't make sense based on the circumstance that we're enduring. And so when those those followers of Christ are being lined up and killed one after another. You think, how could they possibly be praising? You know what I know God was doing in that moment? It wasn't their strength. It was the God of gods. It was the Lord of kings garrisoning each of their hearts, protecting them in something that they couldn't endure themselves. And hear this, God will do the same for you. You serve the God of gods. You serve the Lord of kings. And if you will put your confidence and trust in him, not get focused down here, but say, God, my trust is in you. He will do something for your heart that you could never do for yourself. That's the promise of scripture. Okay? So I don't know what you're going through this morning, but my prayer is that you'd look up to him, that you would remember the known, because our confidence in the known gives peace in the unknown. I'm going to pray over some of you here, but there's, I would guess there's some others of you here this morning. You've never submitted to that king. Oh, you've, you've given your allegiance to some, some of these little kings down here, but you've never submitted to the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. What does that look like? It starts in a position of recognizing the bad news. The gospel is, is good news, but it only starts with bad news. The bad news is that apart from God, you are broken, sinful, and there's no way you could ever redeem yourself. If standing before a holy, perfect God, you had to stand before him, you would recognize that you are imperfect, and any imperfection can't be in his presence. And so you're left with a choice. Are you either going to depend on yourself, or are you going to trust him to do what you couldn't do for yourself? And that's what the death of Jesus Christ and his resurrection made available to you. So what do you do? You repent. What is repentance? Repentance is agreeing with what God says. It's saying, my sin is sin. I agree with that, God. And I repent, so I turn from that sin, and instead, God, I turn to you. And I turn to you not just to say, hey, would you be my savior and my buddy? No. Will you be my Lord? I make you my leader. I trust in you for salvation. I'm trusting in your death and resurrection to do and provide what I could never provide for myself. That's what it means. And I'm going to live my life, not just adding you to my life, but submitting my life 
to your kingdom and to your ways. That's what it means to follow Christ. And if you're here this morning and you're ready to make that decision to say, God, I am all in to receive the gift of salvation, to submit my life to him, I'm gonna give you an opportunity to respond in prayer here in a moment. Would you pray with me across the room? Father, we thank you so much. We thank you that you are the God of gods. You are the Lord of kings. And Lord, our hope and our trust is in you. This morning we say we desperately need you. God, there is so much unknown. There are so, much, uh, so many circumstances that are beyond our understanding, beyond our control. And it puts us in a position of stress and fear and worry. And God, I pray instead that we would over and over and over, daily, moment by moment, place ourselves back onto firm ground as we look to you as the king, as we look to you as our source, as we look to you as our hope. God, I pray for those that came in this morning. They feel overwhelmed by physical stuff, by their life, by the circumstances of our world. God, I pray that instead of being filled with that, Lord, you would garrison their heart as they begin to trust in you more, as they begin to look to you and to give you and surrender everything to you. God, would you do a work in us, Lord? Father, may we be those who look different. The people would look at us and they see the junk we're going through, the garbage we're dealing with, but they see the hope and the peace that we have. And may it speak that there is a God in heaven. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bow and every eye closed, if you're here this morning and you want to submit your heart to Christ, you want to respond in salvation, I believe that's the greatest decision you could ever make. And I want to give you the opportunity to do that. If you would like to take that step this morning, I'm going to invite you to simply lift your hand across the room right now and say, that is me. Lift your hand right now and say, that's me. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else that wants to respond? Thank you. If there's anyone online, I encourage you to respond as well. I'm going to invite you to pray out loud uh, as I pray. Dear Jesus, go ahead and repeat after me. Dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. Thank you for pursuing me. I admit that I'm a sinner. I admit that I'm broken. I admit that I'm in need of a savior. I believe that Jesus came. I believe that he died. I believe that he rose again. And I admit that I desperately need him. I submit my life to Jesus. I repent of my sin and I place my trust in him. Would you help me live for your glory to live as a follower of Jesus? I pray that in the name of Jesus, everybody said,